upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Fucking... Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz. With me today is the podfather himself, the Alabama Dream, the mortgage guy, the man that uh, basically revolutionized the podcasting business. He is Mr. Conrad Thompson. Conrad, welcome back. How you doing? Wow, what an introduction, man. Thank you very much. I hope I live up to that. My goodness. You are the man right now, even though your father-in-law technically is the man. I mean, but we got to say you're the man right now. So what is going on in your world? I know a little something is coming up this weekend. Well, we're really excited, man. This weekend is StarCast 5. We get kicked off with the roast to Ric Flair, and then we've got some really incredible uh, independent wrestling shows. Black Label Pro has pulled out all the stops. Game Changer Wrestling is joining us. That's all happening on Friday. We've even got karaoke with uh, the master of ceremonies, myself, Father Mitchell, uh, the former Mr. Vandenberg, if you will. And then all day Saturday and Sunday, man, just a who's who of uh, meet and greets all the way down the line from Hall of Famers and legends to the top stars of today. But a really incredible lineup of panels. I think probably our strongest ones yet. We've got a horseman reunion. Nobody thought that would ever happen, but we made it happen. We've also got Bret Hart talking about SummerSlam from 30 years ago. SummerSlam 92 with Kenny McIntosh. Claudio Castagnoli, the new Ring of Honor world champion, will take center stage with Chris Van Vliet. Uh, we've got Renee and Brian back together, and people are pumped about that. The Major Figure Podcast, and they just announced Dan Housen as their special guest. That's all just Saturday. Come Sunday, we've got Kevin Nash and Sean Oliver from the new Click This show. We've got Foley's Pod. We've got Soraya's first time in a public setting like this, and on a panel we're calling Turning the Page. Everybody's buzz about Johnny Gargano right now, and we're going to talk about what's next for him. And we'll close out the show uh, with a really special panel with Matt Hardy from his podcast, The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. And as if that's not enough, it all leads up to the main event, Ric Flair's last match at the Municipal Auditorium in downtown Nashville, where he won the big gold belt not once but twice, beating Ricky Steamboat in 89 and Randy Savage in the main event of Starcade in 95. And now he's going to walk that aisle one last time in a star-studded affair. Literally every wrestling company in the world is represented on the undercard. I think we've got something for everybody. I think it'll be the biggest non-AEW, non-WWE show of the year. And I can't wait. All of it's at rickflairslastmatch.com. 
Man, it's just crazy to think about all that going on. I mean, it's literally insane. And it's funny. It's like, oh, it's SummerSlam weekend. I don't know. It's more like StarCast weekend because I've seen TMZ, ESPN. Everybody seems to be focused in on, on Rick's last match and StarCast. And honestly, I haven't heard that much about SummerSlam, which is crazy. But I think that's true. Well, I appreciate you saying that. You know, we uh, we were thrilled to have the opportunity to work with ESPN. But the idea that it was the top story at ESPN.com for most of the day yesterday was just amazing. And then to see Rolling Stone, you know, put something out yesterday at TMZ and We've had coverage from all over the place, but it's really been overwhelming. The The interest in Ric Flair and his last match has proven that he's more than just a wrestler. He is a pop culture icon, and uh, he's once again captured the imagination of wrestling fans all over the world. Had Rick on, obviously father-in-law, Ric Flair recently, we were kind of joking about his health, saying, hey, you went to 40 doctors, what did 39 say? No, yeah, we had a laugh about it and stuff. So are you worried about his health at all, in, seri- in all seriousness? Are you worried about Rick? No, I mean, here's the reality. You know, I hate to spoil the narrative, but the reality is, man, uh, fans are concerned and it comes from a good place. I understand that. I think sometimes Rick hears that and gets offended, but... In the end, everyone comes from a good place. We all know, like, and care about Rick. I mean, he's been a big part of our wrestling fandom for a long, long time. But just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it hasn't happened. Meaning, a lot of wrestling fans say, oh, I don't want him to get in the ring again. Buddy, he's been in the ring four days a week since the beginning of April. So he's spent dozens of hours in the wrestling ring getting ready for this match. He's not going to step between the ropes for the first time on pay-per-view this Sunday night. It'll be the first time you've seen it, but he's done it for dozens of hours. I'm not saying if something was going to happen, it already would have, because as we know, you know, it's, it's danger every time you step between the ropes, but he's been doing this for the better part of 50 years later this year. He'll celebrate 50 years in the business, but he did not just flippantly say, okay, I'll do it. And just, you know, climb off a bar stool and in between the ropes on Sunday night. That's not reality. He's been pushing himself. He's been training hard. He's got clearance from his doctor, the one in Auburn that he really cares about, that he used to see on a near weekly basis when he was fresh in his recovery. Uh, he, he's got clearance from his trainer, who, who also trains John Cena. He's got clearance from his doctor in Auburn, Alabama. And he himself has started listening to his body more after 2017 than ever before. If you see any public appearance from him post-2017, yes, he's got that signature Rolex on his left wrist, but you know what's on his right? An Apple Watch. And not because he's trying to read text messages. He is he is monitoring his body like he never has before. Uh, he's excited. He's nervous. He's anxious. He's ready, and so am I. But fans who have concerns should probably quell those concerns that the dude's been doing it four hours a week since April. So it'll be the first time you've seen it, but it's not the first time it's happened. Just talk to me about Rick's last match. I mean, this is the legendary Rick Flair here. We're talking, talk about putting it all together. Well, I'll be honest. You know, this is more than just about Rick Flair's last match. This is about Jim Crockett promotions, because once we understood we were going to try to do Rick Flair's last match, I think the natural question was, okay, but for who? And I didn't want it to be for some quote-unquote independent organization he didn't really have any association with. It wasn't going to be with WWE. It wasn't going to be with Impact. It wasn't going to be with AEW. So what banner would carry it? And the place that made him champ, the place that put him on TBS, the place that helped make him uh, a household name is Jim Crockett Promotions. And boy, David Crockett has had the itch to get back in wrestling since March of 2001. He never wanted his brother to sell in, in November of 88. 
And this is his last hurrah, too. This is his ECW one-night stand. And the way Jim Crockett Promotions got us ready for these big shows and these pay-per-views is they told stories. I'll never forget Dusty Rhodes getting beat up in a parking lot or all the fabulous stuff that we saw from JCP over the years. So if we have a, an opportunity to do this, I wanted to do it right. And I thought the right way to do this was with a story, not just announce a match cold. And I know that that's what modern independent wrestling is, sort of fantasy booking. Hey, what if this guy fought that guy? I get that. But what was really special to me is the idea that, hey, man, what if we got to really tell a full story about Rick's last match and explain why he wants to wrestle and then, you know, get knee deep in some wrestling. And I think between episode one, two and three that are all posted and available for everyone right now for free at rickflairslastmatch.com, we check those boxes. What has been the response so far to those three awesome Ric Flair videos you put together? I mean, the production value is awesome. It's through the roof. Just talk to me about putting it together and just really the response and the reaction from the fans with those three awesome Flair build-up videos. Dude, I, I've been overwhelmed with the positive response. I knew I liked it. I knew it came off good. I knew I was proud of it. But that's really all I knew. I didn't know how well it would be received. But if I'm honest with you, that's kind of the same way I've approached the entire card. You know, I sort of fantasy booked in my office one day. What if this guy wrestled that guy? What if these ladies had a three-way dance? What if, what if, what if? And then when we rolled it out and people were really digging it match by match, it just felt like, okay, we have slowly announced one match after another and built some momentum. And then once the docuseries started to come out, episode one was well-received, but it just explained the why. But I knew when we revealed the opponent, it would go wide. And I knew that if we just announced the match cold as a tag match with some guys that seemingly it wouldn't make any sense with, but with the context of what we've been doing on Jeff's podcast for a year and, and the seeds that we planted with Jay Lethal and then the story that happened and unfolded. And unfortunately, and this is not kidding around, Jeff took it too far and he knows it. Uh, we, we have a real heated personal issue now that goes beyond wrestling storyline uh, because, you know, there were precautions taken. We don't have to listen. There's no such thing as exposing the business anymore, but people get skittish around certain words or phrases. We were prepared to tell a story and, and, and have some magic in the parking lot. Uh, Jeff Jarrett took matters into his own hands. No magic was necessary. And, uh, I, I think Andrade is going to be landing in Nashville later today with a, a, a receipt book with his name on it. To me, it seems like Jeff Jarrett does have a bit of a chip on his shoulder. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It just seems like that he's, is he a four horseman? Is he not a four horseman? Flair kind of always joke around saying he was never a four horseman, aren't saying it. So is there a bit of a chip on the shoulder for one Mr. Jeff Jarrett? Well, there's a chip on his shoulder and and it's maybe, maybe a tinge of jealousy. And, And what I mean is let's appreciate that, uh, Jeff is a third generation performer in the wrestling business, third generation promoter and all of the success that he's achieved in his career. When he was a younger man, people said, Oh, he just did it because it's his daddy's promotion. And then once he goes to work for Vince and starts getting the intercontinental title runs, Oh, it's just because his daddy's in the office. Oh, it's because his dad's tight with Vince. And then when he starts his own company, let's process that sentence again. When he starts his own company and how many guys in wrestling have started their own company that outlasted everything. I mean, really, in the scheme of things, uh, Impact Wrestling is still going to this day. They outlasted ECW. They outlasted WCW. Nobody talks about that. But TNA and Impact Wrestling have outlasted almost everything but WWE and modern wrestling. 
And Jeff created that. But you know what? He doesn't get the credit for it. Everything's LOL, TNA, and oh, I hated this guy. And he never drew a dime. And he's worked his ass off for everything he's ever achieved, taking great risks. And you know what people celebrate? Ric Flair, who didn't start a promotion, who did bounce around a little bit, who did lose the title 16 times, and who has had some, we'll call it off-the-field controversies. I'm sure Jeff feels like, hey, why him and not me? Why is he so special and gets all the accolades and all the flowers all the time and not me? Now, I never even had that cross my mind until I contemplated as I watched the raw footage of the attack and realized, wait a minute, Rick's finger didn't slide across his forehead. It wouldn't have happened on the side of the head like that even if he did. Wait a minute. So a conversation with Rick, oh, no, that's a puncture wound. That's uncalled for. It's unnecessary. And in real life, it's called an assault. That's what happened. And it never crossed my mind that, wait a minute, some of this might be genuine, quote unquote, heat, brother. But where does that come from? It's got to be a tinge of jealousy. I can't put my finger on what else it could be. Jeff Jarrett is upset that he never got the respect from the fans or the promoters or the industry that he and his family, and I don't mean just his immediate family, I mean his parents, his grandparents, they never got the adulation that Ric Flair did. And I'm sure by by comparison's sake, he feels as if his family has sacrificed more. And now Rick comes into his town and, and tries to slight him. I could see where all that comes from. So I understand that Jeff feels justified. But I don't think there's any justification to, quote unquote, go off script, especially with a 73-year-old, especially when he's the father-in-law of your business partner, especially when you're already figured in. It was not necessary. He's turned the volume up on this thing. And in a real-life situation, the real-life Manny is flying to Nashville with a chip on his shoulder. They haven't seen each other since, and it will not be pleasant for Mr. Jarrett this Sunday night. I feel like with Rick, I mean, this has got to be a little bit of extra motivation here, just a little bit of that. Do you think Ric Flair is super motivated for this show even more so now? He's super motivated. He's more motivated right now than the entire time I've known him. I've known Rick for nine years and I saw him last night, and he's in the best shape I've ever seen him in. I can tell he's he's leaned out and thinned out, uh, not in a way where he hasn't been lifting weights. I'm just saying he no longer has any sort of uh, extra water weight or bloat or whatever. My man's got his diet dialed in. He's a cardio machine. He's been training every day with Rob. And you go to that Hard Knock South Gym, and you see all the lifting records all the way around the building, Here's where Big E set a record for this. Here's where Bray Wyatt set a record for that. Here's where Claudio set a record for this. Here's where Cena set a record for that. And there's Ric Flair working his ass off. And the person who comes to visit him to wish him well uh, on his last training session at home, John Cena. This is a guy who has so much respect in the business that, you know, whatever Mount Rushmore character you want, they've all reached out to wish him well, even if it means they stop by and see him train personally. Plain and simple. Is Ric Flair the GOAT? Is Ric Flair the greatest of all time? I don't think there's a debate as to who the GOAT is. Ask your favorite wrestler who their favorite wrestler is, and they'll all say Ric Flair. I mean, Ric Flair is your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler. Those are just facts. Uh, We've had so many requests for comps for this show. Uh, Yes, there's been media. Yes, there's been friends. But it is a who's who of folks who want to see the show, who don't even mind sitting in the crowd, who would normally – never want to sit in the crowd and watch a wrestling show. It's like a taboo thing that once you're in the business, you don't attend shows. And I don't think fans necessarily think of it that way. 
But boy, all those silly rules are out the window when it comes to the respect of Nature Boy Ric Flair. The background, the, the, the backstage area is sold out, my friend, from every company in the world, from every office in the world. Ric Flair is the greatest of all time, and he removes all doubt of that conversation this Sunday on pay-per-view. Is it possible now that Ric Flair is more popular than ever? I mean, it just seems like it to me, but is it possible to say that Ric Flair is more popular now than ever? It's not possible. It's reality. I mean, what's happened is the world has changed and it's gotten a lot smaller. He became a household name because, you know, cable TV was was the forefront of America in the mid 80s. People were so excited about having cable or those giant dishes. And oh, my gosh, now we can watch programming from all over the world. And all of a sudden, everybody knew about TBS and they could see professional wrestling at 605 every weekend. That made him a household name. And then going to the WWF in the early 90s. Maybe it wasn't the best time to go because wrestling was in a lull, but still, uh, it was a whole new audience. And then after the WCW acquisition, uh, a whole new third generation of fans got introduced to him in 02. But post-retirement, now he's been in Bad Bunny videos, who a lot of the folks who are listening to this speak English as their first primary language, and I get that. But Bad Bunny is the biggest non-English speaking act in the world. Like, it's not close. He's had more streams on Spotify than most talent combined. And and he chose to have Ric Flair in his video. And so did, uh, you know, the incredible Ric Flair drip, the success that Metro Boomin and all those guys offset had for that. Uh, it's unbelievable what that record did for Migos and their career. So there's tentacles in Latin music. There's tentacles in hip hop. He's still got television commercials to this day with Car Shield, and he's got a new product that he's recently shot. Uh, Yeah, he is a bigger star than ever before. A handful of years ago, my wife and I went to see Joe Rogan in Nashville, and he started talking about how if aliens watch wrestling, what they must think of us, because he just described how silly it was. And he goes, but listen, you can't make fun of wrestling fans, especially uh, when you got an, an icon like Ric Flair. And he holds the mic out just after saying the words Ric Flair. And in a a Pavlovian response, the entire theater wooed. He goes, see, look, we didn't practice that. This man has a sound associated with him. That's cool. When when there's a sound that we all know and we all make it on command when we hear his name, that doesn't exist for any other performer in the history of wrestling. The the Rock is, is one of the biggest movie stars that we've ever known. There's not a sound associated with him or Stone Cold or Hulk Hogan. Ric Flair just transcends all of that. And I can't put my finger on why. I'm just thankful to have the opportunity to be a tiny part of what we're trying to do with his last match this Sunday. That popularity going to be slowing down? It doesn't seem like it will be. The NFL guys are wooing. I mean, it just seems like the popularity of Flair has not waned at all, and it's definitely continuing. And I don't think that slows down any time, you know, from the robes to the flash. I mean, LeBron said he was the innovator of swag because, you know, 30 years ago, he'd get on TV and I got this and I got that. And man, it still works all these years later. It's just, it's really been remarkable to see. And uh, I'm glad that, you know, he gets the proper send off he wanted because although it couldn't have been any better than what happened in 08, he didn't wind it up then, you know, he kept wrestling and, I think this will be the, the the closure of the second act he's been hoping for. It's pretty nuts to look at it. WB, JCP, Impact, Triple Eight, New Japan Pro Wrestling, MLW, all involved in this show. I mean, every promotion possible is involved in this show. It is nuts. But to be clear, 
it's not because of my relationships. And yes, I do have good relationships with all those folks. And a lot of those folks uh, from the offices will actually be at the show. And I'm very thankful for that opportunity. But the reason it happened is because everyone wants to support Ric Flair. I mean, the respect that he carries to the industry is just crazy. So he um, he's going to go out there and prove them all wrong or prove them right. Whatever side of the fence you're on, uh, he's going to put on a show and everybody wants to be involved with it or at least wants to show their respect for all that he's done in the wrestling business. From the Tony Khans to the Vince McMahons to the Dorians to the Court Bowers to the Scott uh, Demores and on and on and on. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, how do you get every promotion in wrestling involved? It's it's nuts. Yeah, I mean, and nobody's really put this together, but I'm pretty sure Ricky Morton and his son Kerry Morton are still wrestling for Billy Corgan's NWA too. So I think we have every major North American promotion, most of the independent promotions. Uh, I mean, and then that Bunkhouse Battle Royal, you know, I think there's 13 performers announced in that, and man, I think each one of them, maybe all but one, represent a different promotion. I mean, so you're going to have a dozen promotions represented in a single match. That doesn't happen without the respect of Ric Flair. Many years ago, 2015, you guys actually did Dusty Rhodes' last ever interview. It was actually two days before he passed. So anything involving him, I love it. Uh, I miss him. So anything involving Dusty, I'm, I'm all in for. Well, it was just me wanting to do a little more JCP stuff. You know, I uh, I felt like we had had a huge celebration for, for Rick and, and Jim Crock and promotions. But really, the other guy, the sort of man behind the scenes that helped make all this magic, and we all know it, was Dusty Rhodes. Well, I couldn't realistically put together a war games or something like that, and it makes sense. But a bunkhouse stampede, well, that could be fun. It would get a lot more guys on the card, a lot more opportunity for them to showcase what they can do and represent other fabulous promotions like Progress uh, over in the U.K. and all that. So I jumped at the chance to come up with it, but then it became a task of, how do we make a belt buckle and how do we bronze a boot? I've never had to Google bronzery until a few months ago, but now I know what that is. And we found a couple of Austin Hall boots uh, that they look identical to the type of boots that Dustin and Dusty and Barry and all those guys wore back in the day. And we had them bronzed and uh, we're going to give one to a very special person. They don't know that yet, uh, but that they're going to find out when I see them tomorrow. And the other will go to uh, the winner of the bunkhouse battle Royal, but the belt buckle, man, it's got rubies in every corner. It looks like it's made by the same folks who made the big gold belt sort of in that style. Uh, but it's got the stampede style logo right in the middle. And it says the bull of the woods at the bottom. And I just think it's a cool thing to pay homage and tribute to dusty roads. And we're going to have some fun. I can tell you right now, here's some breaking news. That is going to be the pre-show main event. The pre-show starts at six Oh five Eastern five Oh five local time. And uh, the main event of that pre-show will be the Bunkhouse Battle Royal. And if I'm a betting man, I think it's going to be the talk of the Internet that day. There's going to be uh, a, a lot of folks saying this is one of the best Battle Royals we've ever seen. I love the idea of the Bunkhouse Stampede. So cool, so different, so old school. Obviously, Dusty's baby, Dusty's brainchild. But how did that come about? Well, I think we all do, man, and we greatly appreciate what he contributed to the business beyond just giving us Cody and giving us Dustin, but man, the magic he made in front of the camera and behind the scenes, such a legacy. And uh, I hope that, I hope that we get to do him justice in this match. I mean, I know that he's no longer with us and technically he can't 
Maybe his name can't even be associated with it. But, boy, we all know, as wrestling fans, the bunkhouse was Dusty's, and, and we're going to try to celebrate his memory as well. Yeah, now Teal, his daughter, starts the uh, Dusty Rose Foundation, which will be a part of StarCast as well. Yeah, man, with a little bit of help from our resident gimmick attorney, uh, Mr. Mike Dawkins, he uh, was able to help her go ahead and get that going with uh, with her mom and and, and sadly, uh, Dusty's widow. And, and we just think the world of Michelle and Teal and the the spirit of that nonprofit is to try to give adolescent kids whose family, for whatever reason, cannot afford for them to participate in athletics. Maybe they can't afford the football helmets or the cleats or the shoulder pads or Maybe they can't afford the sticks for lacrosse or what have you. Well, that foundation will make sure those kids still get an opportunity to try to pursue athletics. And uh, we're actually raffling off Ric Flair's gear that he's going to wear that night. So his knee pads and his trunks and the shirt he'll wear, which is the first time he's had this sort of look. But it's going to be really, really cool. Uh, It even says Nature Boy on the back. I think fans are going to really dig it. But he's not keeping it, and we're not selling it to some the highest bidder type situation. It's being raffled off. Tickets are just $25. You can go ahead and enter the raffle at rickflairslastmatch.com. But some lucky fan will wind up with the ability to say, hey, I own Ric Flair's ring gear from his very last match. And all the proceeds are going to go to benefit the Dusty Rhodes Foundation and uh, to give some kids an opportunity to, uh, to participate in athletics and try to further themselves in life. That Ric Flair robe, I mean, that thing is just awesome to be able to kind of auction it off and and really just put that out there. It's just amazing. I mean, what an absolute collectible for a fan. Yeah, the robe, man, is uh, made just like the first one that Olivia Walker made him uh, way back when, and it's one of the more iconic looks. It turns out he had a blue one that was made like that and then two that were identical to this uh, with white. Now, they did have different color sequins around the bottom, I didn't know any of that until we tried to recreate it, and I realized, wait a minute, there were two. So this will be the fourth one in this style, the third one that's been white, and uh, I think this might be, if I do say so myself, one of the better-looking ones of all. I mean, as a robe collector myself, all the old-school fans that I would talk to, look, my my pal over at MidAtlanticGateway.com, Dick Bourne, he absolutely loved this robe. So the idea that this was his first Olivia and this will be the same style robe he wears to his last match, man, should be pretty special. Hey, you are the the king of collectors. You're you're the guy that has some of the greatest merchandise and some of the greatest collector's items of all time, especially the robe. So with me looking at you thinking, if you think it's a great robe, I mean, that means a lot. I mean, that is saying something. Well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I've been chasing uh, my Holy Grail wrestling collectible for a long time, which was Ric Flair's last robe, uh, or not his last robe, but it was featured last season on Lost Treasures. Uh, The black robe with the uh, silver butterflies and the white feathers, the ones that he wore for uh, the Royal Rumble 92 match, and so many other iconic moments. It felt like it was lost for history, but we located it. And Now that I've found that one, my sort of quest for robes is over, or else, boy, I'd be at the top of the list wanting this last robe. You know, his last retirement robe from 2008 with uh, with uh, Shawn Michaels is in the Smithsonian. But that's not the fate for this one. Uh, again, we're raising money for the First Step Foundation on there, and uh, that's going to help some folks who maybe are struggling with addiction, have a new chance in life sort of uh, in their recovery. Are doing that, all of that, of course, in the name of honoring uh, Rick's son, Reed, who unfortunately lost his life nine years ago. And what a great way to include the whole family here 
uh, in the event. So hopefully for uh, some folks down in uh, Florida are going to get a, a great first step. Thanks to the first step foundation and their new recovery. Yeah. There's some missed opportunities over the years, really for JCP and merchandise. Cause it feels like you guys are killing it. I mean, really killing it with the swag and the merch and, and everything else, but man, it just seems like what they could have had back then you have all this merchandise. Now that's awesome. Back then they did not have that. Well, what we thought, you know, Jim Crockett promotions never had figures and, and I was lucky enough to get to interview Jim Crockett jr. And I've become really good friends with David Crockett. And we talked about a lot of those missed opportunities. You know, you look back in the 80s and you see Vince McMahon had the guys on lunchboxes and sleeping bags and action figures and everything in between. You know, they had pictures and T-shirts in Jim Crockett promotions. They never had action figures. But now Jim Crockett promotions has their first and only action figure. And who better, who else than the Nature Boy? Uh, so we've got those autographed and available for sale right now at rickflairslastmatch.com. Or, of course, you can pick it up in person here at StarCast. But for the first time ever, we've monetized JCP Sports stuff. So if you want a JCP polo, we got it. You want a JCP t-shirt, we got it. You want a snapback, we got it. I think there's something for everybody if you're an old-school fan. Uh, And that poster, man, two different variations of the poster. An old-school-style poster like they used to use way back when. And a very modern, theatrical-style poster. Something for everybody, man, because this is a worthy moment. I think people will talk about this uh, for a long time. And, you know, there's a great line in the office, and I'll butcher it here. But the idea is sometimes we don't recognize we're living in the good old days, you know. But I recognize right now these are the good old days, man. We're, we're really making wrestling history here. I'm aware of that. And I don't have to, you know, let it get in my rearview mirror for that to click for me. Because this is a special thing. I mean, think about how many people were impacted with Jim Crockett promotions, how many people have been impacted by Ric Flair. And really, if we're honest, what a big opportunity it is for Jeff Jarrett and, and, and especially Jay Lethal and Andrade to say that they were involved in Ric Flair's last match. And who better to try to keep this thing on the tracks than Mike Kyoto? Think about how many WrestleMania main events that guy's been in, uh, whether it's Rock or Hogan and so many others. He was there. And now he's going to be there trying to keep the peace, if that's even possible, for Ric Flair's last match. Awesome to see Jim Crockett Promotions back. JCP, just the name, it just brings up so much tradition and, and so much love for the business. What's up with kind of owning JCP and, and, and David Crockett and the 50-50 and the trademark? Just kind of break it down as far as JCP. Well, let me explain what happened. I... uh when we first had the idea and we all wanted to do it, uh, I called uh, Mr. Crockett and I asked for his blessing to have this show under the JCP banner and have him and Tony Schiavone on the call and him to be a big part of shooting the docuseries and all that we were doing. And he jumped at the chance and said, absolutely. Well, I knew in order for me to do that, a lot of people would raise eyebrows. Hey, how can they do that? So I made sure that Mike Dawkins was able to secure us the trademark, but I told him, don't just put it in my name. Do 50-50 with me and David Crockett. But understand that come August 1st, and I told this to Mr. Crockett from day one, I'm out of the Jim Crockett promotions business. That's his trademark. That's his family's legacy. I'm not trying to steal their legacy. I do need to borrow it and celebrate it. But once I'm done borrowing it to celebrate it, uh, it's 100% his the very next day. So, if, if Jim Crockett promotions continues, it'll be under the leadership uh, solely of Mr. David Crockett. 
I don't have any interest in, in starting a wrestling promotion or trying to compete with AEW or MLW or Ring of Honor or Impact or the NWA or, you know, man, between me having the mortgage company and the podcast company and trying to keep a wife, a wife happy and two kids off to college, there's too much going on for me to do that. But I'll tackle this one uh, seemingly insurmountable task of celebrating Ric Flair's last match, and then I'm... I'm going to hang up my promotions hat, man. Uh, I hope folks dig it, and I hope this is uh, cool and special, but All In was supposed to be a one-off, and it created AEW. Well, Ric Flair's last match is supposed to be a one-off, and it will be. To me, if anybody can run a promotion, I know people always say it to you online, and Jeff Jarrett's kind of teasing you about it, and you guys are joking, but if anybody can be a promoter and everybody can run a promotion, I think that's you. Anything you touch, to be honest, every you know, and everything you touch really seems to turn to gold. So to me, if you run a promotion, I think it would be a positive, and I think it would turn into a pretty profitable one. Well, that's nice of you to say, man. I really do appreciate that, and, and I've uh, been fortunate enough to hear people say things like that before. It, it provides me a great deal of stress and pressure for people to think that, oh, well, everything I do has to be good. But I put that pressure on myself, and I'm my own worst critic. And there's th- there's parts of this entire build that you know, have been disappointing to me because I had a higher expectation. But then when I actually talk to the way it was received and I talk to folks who see it from the outside, they absolutely love it. You know, they don't know some of the things that we tried to do that we couldn't do uh, that were perhaps disappointing to me. And I just put that pressure on me and just carry it around because I don't want to fumble. Let's put in perspective the stress and pressure I'm under here, not to make it about me. But I know it's Ric Flair's last match, but it's my very first one. And think about all the things that could go wrong with a first-time promoter. You know, literally inside the arena, as part of the production, as part of the hype, as part of the negotiation, as part of the relationships with the offices, you have to check every box because if you fumble, it's not like, well, we'll get them next time. This is it for Rick. There is no return. So, and it's not just Rick Flair, the greatest wrestler of all time. He's my freaking father-in-law. I don't want to let down my family either. So this has been crazy pressure and it's, it's uh, something that I will be <sighs> relieved to do come Monday, August 1st. And I don't know who will be happier come Monday, August 1st, me, my wife, or Rick, because we've all felt this pressure and lived in it for months. Uh, but come August 1st, we're all just going to take that deep exhale and look at each other, do a group hug and say, oh, my God, we made it. Uh, so I, I, I don't really think that I have that in me to continue to do uh, at this level on a consistent basis. I, I have to admit, it's been a lot of fun. And what's been a lot of fun is creating something and coming up with some ideas, but not really knowing how's this going to be received? How's this going to work? And then to see the reaction and it be nearly near unanimous, positive feedback has been really rewarding because I, and and listen, I don't mind telling you, I knew when we announced this, there was going to be some negativity from people saying, Oh, why is he doing this? And Oh, nobody wants to see that. But those folks are saying that from their perspective. And I challenge them to realize this, not everything's about you. Bro, have you tried putting this in Rick's perspective? Why wouldn't we want Rick to feel like Rick one last time? Why wouldn't we want him to walk that aisle one last time after losing Reed, starting drinking and not stopping for five years until he medically lost his life and came back, got a second chance, and was training his ass off just for fun beforehand? I mean, he's been training really, really hard with John Cena's trainer for over a year, not for a last match. Just because this is the cardio machine that we used to hear would be a partier and close all the bars down, 
But at 6 a.m., he's on the Stairmaster for an hour. That was his life for decades, and he wanted to feel like that again. And then when the opportunity came, hey, what about one last match? Once he could get over whatever was in his head about being in the ring again, man, he's been on fire for it, and we're excited to see him do it. But realistically, I knew that a lot of fans weren't going to be sold on that. I don't want to watch anything with Ric Flair. Okay. We made sure the undercard is something they couldn't ignore. We made sure the undercard was something that was worthy of celebrating Rick. I mean, this almost feels like one of those old peace festivals where every organization has been represented. And the commonality, buddy, it ain't got anything to do with Conrad Thompson. It's all about Ric Flair. Because everyone wants to pay respect to him and acknowledge what he's provided for them and their career. And uh, I think that, you know, we're going to do something pretty special this Sunday, if I had to say so myself. Just life lesson wise, like how do you deal with the negativity? I know it comes up and, and it's always out there. There's always going to be some haters out there. stuff, But just a life lesson for everybody. How do you deal with the negativity? Well, listen, first, some, sometimes there's real criticisms in there that I need to hear. You know, I mean, I'm I'm not somebody who and, and I love Mr. Jackie Crockett. You know, he's a part of our docuseries and he wished Rick well in, in episode three. And, and he said, uh, you know, give him hell, Rick, have a lot of fun, do what you do and piss on the rest. And I thought that was such a healthy way to live life. But at the same time, if you're trying to be a business owner and you're trying to be an entrepreneur, like to this day, man, anytime somebody closes a loan with my company uh, over at SaveWithConrad.com, we send a review out. We want to know, hey, how do we do? Tell us, how can we get better? I- I'm legitimately interested in getting better. I don't want ever to think that, well, everything I touch turns to gold, so it must be great. I don't believe that to be true. I think there's an area for me to improve and get better in every aspect of my life, on the podcast, in the mortgages, trying to put together a wrestling card, in my relationship. I want to be better. I want to get better. I want to actively pursue being better. So I take a lot of that criticism to heart if it's a valid criticism. Now, occasionally, I run across a customer in, in say, my real life who just wants to fuss. They're just frustrated with something. Maybe something didn't go their way. Their appraisal came in a little shorter or something like that. That's really out of my control. Like I can't tell somebody what your house is worth. We have to hire a third party to evaluate the property and things like that. But every now and again, they just want to be heard. They just want to fuss. So I'll listen. But at the same time, I can't really change what I'm doing because you don't like it unless you have some sort of, Hey, what about this? This would be better. So if I see those type criticisms, buddy, we implement them as soon as we can. But occasionally when you see the negativity, uh, I I just don't have room in my life for negativity. You have to appreciate I've been a salesperson my whole life. I've been in the mortgage business for 21 years. But before that, I was still selling. And my parents have been salespeople their whole life and my aunts and my uncles and my grandfather. So I'm surrounded by a whole lot of positive people. So as a rule of thumb, I just don't really have any room in my life for negativity. So it's just water off a duck's back. I don't block people on Twitter, but I do mute them. If I click your account and everything is negative about everything and it's just you bitching about stuff, I'm going to mute you because you're not happy, you're not successful, you're not positive, and I don't want to hear from you. But I don't know any happy, successful, positive people who are constantly negative about everything on social media. So when I, you identify yourself as one of those folks, I sort of discount your view on everything and just mute you and move on. So obviously you're a highly, highly successful salesman, businessman, mortgage guy. What's your philosophy on selling? To me, everything is sales when you look at it. Just everything is definitely sales. But what's your philosophy on selling? Well, I'll tell you this. You know, when I first got into sales, uh, you know, a lot of people use the term pitch. 
Well, if you go out and you, and you have four pitches, and let's say your closing percentage is you do one in four, 25%. Well, if you sold three, if you went on three appointments and, and missed the sale three times, my dad taught me, and I was 14 years old when I first heard this, you got your nose out of the way. He didn't mean nose like the thing you smell with on the end of your face. He meant N-O. You got your nose out of the way, meaning if we understand that sales really is just math, and that you're going to sell one in four. Well, if you got three no's, you're due for a sale. And that that really just works with everything. Let's think about it in blackjack terms. Is anyone stupid enough to sit down and play blackjack and think they have to win every hand? No. You can even lose more hands than you win and still win money. You just have to vary your bet. So if you lose your $5 bets, but you win your $50 bets, you're going to be okay. But you've got to understand the math. So I'm, I'm saying all that to say I apply that to my reviews. I don't expect to have five-star reviews on every single loan that I close. If you go to conradreviews.com, you can see the reviews from everybody I've done mortgages for in the last few years since we went to this new review system, and we have an average of 4.71 stars. But out of thousands of folks, I've rate, I'm rated 4.71 that's pretty good. If you and I were going to hook up in a new town for dinner tonight and neither one of us had eaten here before and we didn't know where to go, we might pull up TripAdvisor and we might sort by best reviews. And if one has, you know, seven five-star reviews and another has 2,000 reviews and they're averaging 4.71, guess where you and I are going to dinner? So I, I need to learn from those folks, those .29 who weren't happy, but I don't need to really concern myself with them too much because the greater good says I'm doing more good than bad. I'm, I, and, and that mentality in sales and, and business has really worked for me. And I've applied it to podcasting and I've applied it to this last card. Like I understand there's still some folks who say I'm not buying this. Okay. But I'm seeing a whole lot of folks who say I wasn't sold on this. Didn't think he should do it, but damn it. I'm in. And that's what I wanted to do. So I think we've checked all the boxes. To use a southern phrase, I think the hay's in the barn. Now we just got to go execute. You got to make the sale. You got to get people to buy in. Even with podcasts, okay, you you know you got to get the guys to do the interview. If you're going about that that route, you got to get ads and advertising. You got to get people interested in that way. So getting people to buy in is super important. How do you get your buy in? How are you getting people to buy in? Well, and here's the other thing too. It's not just getting people to buy it. It's getting people to buy in. I want the talent to be bought in that this is a big show and they need to show out. I want the fan to be bought in that, man, if if I don't watch this, I'm going to be missing out. Because realistically, when are we ever going to see the longest reigning MLW champion in history challenge for the Impact World title? Like, that shouldn't happen. There's been a lot of talk about wrestling without borders or the forbidden door or what happened or, or, or whatever, crossing the line. All of those phrases apply here. Because now it's not just this guy versus that guy, but a title's on the line. I mean, what if Jacob Fatu Sunday night becomes the Impact World Champion? What if the, what's the next set of tapings look like for Impact? What's the next pay-per-view look like for Impact? And conversely, what if Josh Alexander beats him clean? Does 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 Jacob Fatu have a chip on his shoulder and he's going to pop up at one of those TV tapings? Does that mean that Josh Alexander is going to start calling him out in promos is Jacob Fatu going to take it out on Hammerstone and all the cast and crew over at MLW. Like there's real implications here 
And there's lots of fun legacy stuff, too. You, you look at the fun tag match we've got. Ricky and Carrie of the Rock and Roll Express against Brian and Brock of the Four Horsemen. Come on, man. There's something for everybody on this card. But the idea that we have to uh, get, A, the talent bought in, and then the fans to, to have that FOMO, if you will. Yeah, you're trying to sell on multiple fronts. Uh, and it took a little bit of salesmanship for me to the offices. Why would MLW want to put their guy in this match? Why would Impact agree to put their title on the line? There's a little bit of salesmanship in that, let me tell you. To me, this show is like a buffet. There's something for everyone. I know Bischoff has said that before. I love saying that. I mean, if you have, you know, the women's match, you got the AAA, you got the New Japan, you've got the Briscoes and the Von Erichs, you've got Harry Smith and Kelly Cross, you've got obviously Brick Flair's last match. It just seems like there's something for everybody. It's definitely a buffet of sorts. A lot of first time ever's in here too. Uh, before we talk about that, we should talk about rematches, though. The most recent Triple Mania, there was a five-way with Vikingo and the four guys from our AAA match here, Phoenix, Bandito, Laredo Kid, and Torres. And Dave Meltzer said when it was over, that might be the match of the year. It's certainly a match of the year candidate. Well, they're doing a rematch Sunday night. Uh, and how about this for a dream rematch? Fans wanted to see it forever, but it only happened once on an independent show, and it wasn't televised the Motor City Machine Guns getting back together to take on the American Wolves. Everybody was talking about these two tag teams 10 and 15 years ago as if they were the two best tag teams in the world, but they never had a platform to hook it up. They do right here, right now, this Sunday night. How about this for a rematch, too? You mentioned it. Davey Boy Smith Jr. and Killer Cross hooked up one time, and it was for Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. They removed all the ropes from around the ring. It was an old-school grappling match. They're going to have a rematch under regular pro wrestling confines. It's going to be something special. And how about the Von Erichs? We just glossed over that. Talk about legacy performers. Their dad was Kevin Von Erich. Everybody remembers what he contributed to World Class and, and so many other great memories with his family. But they're coming in with a chip on their shoulder proving that, hey, you know what? We're just as good as the Briscoes, but the Briscoes are the flavor of the month, according to the Von Erics, because they just had their big pay-per-view with FTR for Ring of Honor last weekend, and they're coming in hoping to pick the bones. But there's a lot of first-time ever's because we've never seen that match either. So I appreciate you comparing it to a buffet, because to me, it does feel like there's something for everybody. Yeah, putting this all together is just nuts. I mean, with all the different motions, but to be able to kind of piece it all together and promote it, and even with a guy like Takesh to throw him in there, I mean, he's been turning heads lately, too. I can't believe that we were able to put it together, but I'm so happy we did. And how about that four-way? Takeshita has turned a lot of heads. I think everybody appreciates now what a special talent he is, uh, and, it, and it looks like his time in America is coming to an end. He's going to go become a much bigger star uh, over in Japan when he returns. But Nick Wayne could be the next big thing. A lot of people think he's the next big Will Ospreay or Kenny Omega. This is a guy who's who's just 17 years old, and he's going to be on Ric Flair's last match. To share a locker room with Ric Flair at 17 years old is a pretty special feat. But Alan Angels is coming in with a chip on his shoulder. He stole the show two years ago with Kenny Omega, created a huge buzz for himself, was a part, big part of the Dark Order, but now has decided to bet on himself outside of AEW. And what else needs to be said about Jonathan Gresham, one of the best wrestlers in the world up until this past weekend, the Ring of Honor world champion. Lots of people are saying lots of things about Jonathan Gresham, but he's going to be right there front and center in that four-way with a chip on his shoulder, trying to prove a point, trying to prove him wrong. I think there's going to be a lot of folks trying to steal the show, and there's going to be a lot of competition for that Sunday night. Got to mention this because the last time you're on, 
you weren't ornery about it or anything, but you could tell it was something that was not bothering you, but it was something that you wanted to do, something that was like a, a task that you wanted to be able to check it off the list. And it was one of the things that I thought was so important around this event, and that is the roast of Ric Flair. Eddie George is there, Brian Nobbs, DDP. I mean, the list goes on and on of just like comedians, football players, celebrities, wrestlers. I mean, everybody wants to be involved in the roast of Ric Flair. I feel like this was the nice touch, the nice accent piece on the whole StarCast Ric Flair's last match weekend. We've got a great little panel that's going to be there live. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page, Eric Bischoff, Tori Wilson, uh, as you mentioned, Brian Nobbs. And we've got, you know, Brad Nestle, the voice of college football as the MC and we're going to have a lot of fun, but there's a who's who. And I don't want to give any spoilers, but there's a who's who of folks who send in, you know, messages and kind notes and maybe a few roast jokes for Rick, uh, who for whatever reason for scheduling just could not be here in Nashville, but they're still going to be represented in the roast of Rick Flair. But you're exactly right. I tried to pull this off in May of 2019. Rick wound up being hospitalized. I didn't get to deliver, uh, but it was supposed to be one of our marquee events and then it couldn't happen. Uh, Starcast 2 still was a huge success. Everybody had a great time and, and all that jazz. But I, I had the backdrop and, and the, the programs and the flyers and the posters. And all, I mean, I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars invested in this. And it just poof, went away. So I always had that burr up my saddle, so to speak, about I got to deliver this. You know, I, I promoted it. I need to find a way and a, and, a, and a time. Well, eventually, you know, Rick wound up signing back with WWE, and it didn't feel as if it was going to happen. Thankfully, now he's outside of the tent. And so he was the first person I reached out to about StarCast saying, man, I really want to deliver. I really need to deliver the rest of Ric Flair. And uh, that's how we'll get everything kicked off this Friday night. It's going to be on traditional pay-per-view, but it's also a part of the fight package. If you go get StarCast 5 on fight, not only will you get StarCast 5, but you'll get StarCast 1, 2, 3, and 4. So you're talking dozens and dozens and dozens of hours of incredible content. You want to hear from Sting? We got it. You want to hear from Foley? We got it. You want to hear from Brett? We got it. You want to see the very last ever something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard? We got it. Uh, but now what we're doing this weekend is going to get kicked off with the roast of Ric Flair, plus all those other panels we talked about at the top of the show. I think it's a great value. You can pre-order it right now over at rickflairslastmatch.com, or if you've got the fight app, just pull it up. It should be front and center. And, man, for the hardcore collector, there's multiple bundles there. You could just order the roast standalone if you'd like. I think it's 16 or $19. You could also order all of the panels, and I think that, you know it's going to be a little more for that. But if you want to get the ultimate bundle, for $99, you get Ric Flair's last match plus all of StarCast all together. And for $199, so an extra 100 bucks, we're going to cut up this canvas. We're going to frame it up with a picture of Ric Flair, and we're going to ship it to your house. So you'll be able to say as the ultimate Ric Flair collector, you own a piece of the canvas from Rick's last match. What a cool collectible that will be. And it's only a hundred bucks extra on the package, but you can watch the wrestling show for just $35. And in this era of, of, of wrestling pay-per-views where companies are still doing it, it's routine to see companies charging 49 and 59 and $69. Not this card, $35. We wanted it to be affordable for everybody and have something for everybody on the card. And if I do say so myself, I think we've over-delivered. I think we've got you $100 worth of value there, and we're asking 35 bucks for it. And, hey, if you look at it, for me personally, $34.99, I mean, that's a steal. That is a great deal. That's 90s pay-per-view prices right there. I remember getting the pay-per-views of WCW and WWF back in the 90s and asking my parents, can I get the show? And it would be $34.99. So that is a great deal for me, and it's a bit of a steal. Absolutely great deal. 100% great deal. 
I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled that you said that. It means a lot to me. And I hope folks will check it out, man, because we got something for everybody this weekend. Just random question. Just very curious about that. Who is your favorite four horsemen of all time? Who's the one horseman that, that, that kind of sticks out to you? I know Rick is probably the obvious answer, but, you know, what do you think? Who, who's the favorite four horsemen? Well, you know, once upon a time, I would have had a different answer. But these days, I, I go back and forth on Arn and Tully. You know, as, as a kid, I didn't really have an appreciation. Uh, as I got a lot older, I realized Arn Anderson might be one of the best wrestlers that ever lived. You watch all the little stuff he did, and it's really outstanding. But I think Tully Blanchard is probably one of the most consummate heels of all time. Like, I couldn't help but find myself occasionally pulling for Arn. Yes, he would talk trash and beat guys up, but there was something that was almost done with like a wink and a smile, and it was just kind of fun. Tully was a despicable human being. Uh, he, he was so hateable. But then I got to meet the real guy, and I was blown away with what a nice, professional, I mean, just a fantastic human being. Uh, so yeah, I'm a big fan of both of those guys. I sort of go back and forth on who's my favorite, but I'm in business with Arn. I'm a Homer. Uh, Arn Anderson's my favorite horseman. When you talk about the group, the grouping of it, I know obviously Flair, Arn, Ole, and Tully started it off. You've got the Barry Windham group, you get the Luger group. Um, you got so many great four horsemen groups. What is your favorite four horsemen group? What's the favorite grouping of the four horsemen as a team? Well, listen, I, I wasn't watching when Ole was there. Uh, but Barry rounded out the group to me. So I think with Rick and Barry, you had two of the very best wrestlers in the world. And I think Arn and Tully, my gosh, it's probably the greatest tag team that ever lived, not with the word express in their name. Uh, and, and as a little kid, you know, and boy, I'm going to get some hate for this. I love the presentation with Sid. I mean, just Sid was this giant menacing. I mean, he looked like a guy right out of a, a build a wrestler character in a video game. I mean, you would you would pick a, a seven-footer who was jacked up and had giant pumpkins for shoulders. You would want it to look like Sid. Uh, but now as an adult who cares more about the matches maybe and less about how cool they look as an action figure, I don't think you can beat Rick, Barry, Arn, and Tully. And they're all going to be on stage, by the way, along with Lex Luger and J.J. Dillon and Tony Schiavone for this one last ride for the Horseman panel that we're doing. My favorite, which is weird, is... Maybe to some, but I just love this one. They didn't get enough time together. I wish they got some more time together. Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Brian Pillman, and Chris Benoit. Just, I always was a fan of that grouping. I just love that. And um, I wish they got more time together, to be honest. I mean, that is a, a sleeper one, if you will, but that is that is a great one. Yeah, I thought it was a good group, too. You know, Pillman's uh, always been an underrated member of, uh, of the Horsemen. And, you know, timing is everything. I think maybe uh, wrestling wasn't at its peak of popularity when that one happened, but how cool is it that this Sunday night, Brian Jr. gets the team with Arn Anderson's son, Brock? Man, that's like chicken noodle soup for the wrestling fans right there. All right, as we wrap it up, head towards the finish here, head towards the wind down. Give me some sleepers for the weekend. What's something that maybe people weren't expecting or something that you really know is going to knock out of the park? A little Easter egg, a little sleeper event or, or show or match? or Just give me sleepers for the weekend. Well, I mean, listen, I think um, – I think the panels are going to be sleepers. I think the expectation for the matches is, is, is already in place. And I think the expectation for the roast is already in place. But I think, you know, the panels, uh, seeing Claudio on the stage with Chris Van Vliet, you know, really in this first long form interview, especially after winning the Ring of Honor World Championship, I think that's going to be interesting. What's Paige got to say, especially with all that's happened in WWE recently? Um, there's no telling you know, what, what that could look like. And Bret Hart, boy, he's probably got opinions about Vince McMahon being on a wrestling too. 
And the idea that all these folks are going to have a live bike in their hand for the first time after really the wrestling world changed forever. And they all, for the most part, have worked very, very closely with him. And even take a look at like the Gargano panel. Maybe he wasn't super tight with Vince, but boy, he was super tight with somebody else who all of a sudden seems to have a whole lot of power. I think those panels are probably going to be the most interesting set of panels we've ever done. So I encourage folks to be a part of this. Everybody is going to be talking about it. And I mean, everybody is going to be talking about it. Uh, these panels are going to be the sleeper event of the weekend. And one bracelet, by the way, gets you access to all the panels. These are not individually ticketed events. So if you're within driving distance of Nashville, you can show up and get your picture with David and Tony on the 605 set. It's better than just a horseman photo op. We've recreated the backdrop for TBS, and you can be on that set with those guys. In fact, on Sunday morning, Rick will have his robe there with the big gold belt, and you can be, quote-unquote, on the set with Rick and that belt. As if that's not enough, we've got a 3D scanning machine where you can actually have a little caricature, a little statue of you and Ric Flair standing side-by-side, or you and your wife, or you and your son. Uh, on the weekend of his retirement match. You can do all of that, but you can also attend all of these panels, including the roast. No additional ticket charge for that. It's all included like a, like a, like a festival. It's 129 bucks. I think folks are going to absolutely love it. Uh, and, uh, they're going to get their money's worth, man. This is a pretty silly question. I know it's out there obviously because Vince McMahon is now quote unquote retired, but people are saying it. I know you've probably heard this a million times. Hey, Maybe Vince will do a podcast now that he's retired, and, and who more perfect than Conrad Thompson to the podcast? So what do you think about a Vince McMahon podcast? Well, I don't think he has any interest in it. Um, I mean, I haven't talked to him about it. I, I, I do get that. Boy, when that news broke, I, I, my, I couldn't check my phone. I mean, it was just unbelievable. But I, I don't think it's in the realm of possibility. I mean, would it be the most fun thing I've ever had a chance to record? I'm sure. Uh, but I just that, you know, normally when people do podcasts, it's because they have something to promote. They have something to sell. They're trying to either, you know, make some money or, or push a product. Well, he has nothing to push or promote and trust me, he doesn't need the money. So I don't know what the motivation would be unless it was some sort of legacy, but for that, it feels like he might even choose a different medium than podcasting, but I could be wrong. And if you think eventually I want at least just step in the batter's box and take a swing, well, you don't really know me, but I haven't done that yet, and uh, I'm a little busy this week, so maybe we'll think about that another time. To be honest, though, if anybody could do if anybody could pull it off, it, it would be you and, and your team over there at adfreeshows.com because I don't see anybody else that would be able to possibly pull that off. I think adfree shows and yourself could pull that off. I mean, you got Jim Hurd. You had uh, Jerry Jarrett. You had Jim Crockett Jr.'s last interview. I mean, just rare awesome guests and i think if anybody were to do a vince mcmahon podcast if anybody could pull it off it is you and it is adfreeshows.com man i gotta tell you i appreciate you plugging that because i told a friend of mine that just clicked for me uh one of my right hand guys on all this is dave silva he's the guy who makes our graphics and whatnot and i said dave you know what i just realized and he said what's that and i said on some level everything we've done has built to this I mean, really think about that. We started doing podcasts with Bruce, and Bruce got back in the business and is now at a pretty high level. We started doing podcasts with Tony Schiavone, and he got back in the business, and now he's in and at a pretty high level. 
We started doing it with Eric Bischoff. He got brought back and made executive director of SmackDown on Fox. Well, you just go down the line, and the latest is is Jeff Jarrett. Jeff's now special vice president with WWE in charge of live events. And I think all that's cool, but just take what you just listed. The conversation with Conrad series. Our first one was with Jim Hurd, and a large part of what we talked about was Ric Flair. The second one was Jim Crockett Jr., and sadly, it wound up being the last interview he ever gave. By the time we put part two out, he'd already passed away, sadly. But we talked about the legacy of Jim Crockett Promotions and what it meant, and if he had it to do over again, what he would do over again, and how much Dusty meant to him, and how much Rick meant to him. And then finally, we did a conversations with Conrad with Jerry Jarrett. And now we fast forward to the main event, and it's Ric Flair representing Jim Crockett Promotions with David Crockett cheering him on, Jimmy's brother, taking on Jeff Jarrett, Jerry's son, the WWE special vice president. What in the world? I didn't write it up this way. I didn't dream it this way. This match and this main event and this moment, this was fake. This was meant to be. And even I didn't know that at the time. But now that the the truth has been revealed, I can see, boy, this was all divine intervention. I really do believe that it's not just happenstance that those interviews happened that way and in that order. And now here we are. I think this is the this is the payoff. This is the culmination this Sunday night. All right. Give us all the plugs. Give us everything you got going on. Social media, Ric Flair's last match, Starcast, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'm on Twitter, uh, at Hey Hans Conrad. If you'd like to uh, buy or refinance, boy, I would love to help you with that. We're licensed in over 46 states. And, uh, man, we, we would love to help you. You can check out our reviews at conradreviews.com. You can get a quick quote and chat with somebody right now about saving money at savewithconrad.com. Maybe you want to buy a house. That's buywithconrad.com. Uh, but we've got something for everybody. Really excited about the opportunity. Uh, to help folks, uh, you know, realize their dream of home ownership or debt consolidation or retiring on time early or helping pay for kids college. That's my real passion. But I'm a part time man. I got like a dozen podcasts over at adfreeshows.com. You can get them all early and ad free with video and tons of bonus content. You can chat with your favorite wrestlers every single month on Zoom and develop a real relationship and pick their brain and sort of lift that barricade and get you on the other side there. But at the same time, man, the reason we're here today and the reason you asked me to come chat is Starcast.com, S-T-A-R-R-C-A-S-T.com, something for everybody. But what everybody's talking about, from Rolling Stone to TMZ to Sports Illustrated to ESPN, is Ric Flair's LastMatch.com, and it happens this Sunday on pay-per-view. But I would encourage you to buy it on fight, because if you buy it on pay-per-view, it's just one and done. But if you buy it on fight, you have it live and on demand in glorious HD forever and ever. Uh, so check it out over at rickflairslastmatch.com. And, hey, everybody keeps talking about your father-in-law, Rick Flair, and that what a legend. But, hey, what about Larry, Larry Thompson? He's a great man as well over you know at the mortgage company. He does some great things. But what about Larry? What's going on with him? Larry's going to be there, man. Larry is uh, so invested in episode one, two, and three. He told me yesterday. He said, son, I watched episode three. Your mama's so excited. She wishes it was tonight. So my family's going to be there. And, uh, of course, Megan's mom's going to be there. She was at Rick's first match. She's going to be able to say she was at his last match. Our daughter, Morgan, has never seen her grandpa wrestle live. She's going to be sitting there grinning like a possum front row. It's going to be a great time, man. 
Conrad, thank you so much for all the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I know you are insanely busy promoting Ric Flair's last match and, of course, the great StarCast 5. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the opportunity to come on and uh, appreciate it. Look forward to uh, next time not being quite so stressed when we talk. Dude, you're the man. I really appreciate that. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.